0: Welcome Freedom House, Troy Maxwell your pastor, just want to thank you so much for letting me come into your living room, into your office, into your mobile device, wherever you are, just want to thank you so much for letting me be a part of your life today. Hey, before we get started in this great message, I want to uh, pray with you, pray for you, pray for your family, pray for your job, pray for anything you got going on. Because I know a lot of you got a lot, a lot of things going on. So let me just pray for you right now. Father, just thank you so much for this time that we have together. Lord, we ask you just to take these few minutes and just baptize them, God. Uh, We don't want church as normal. We already realize that that church is so different than we could ever experience. You know, many of us haven't sat in a group in a long time. But Father, we know that we are one body united together under the name of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, I just ask you to be in every living room, to be in operation in every family, uh, to, to bring your power, your anointing, your presence into every room today. God, we love you, we bless you, we honor you. Father, thank you that people will hear the voice within the voice today. God, they'll hear your voice today as I preach this message God, that they'll hear your word, and something will stand out, God. Something will jump out of the the mobile device, jump out of the computer, computer, out of the the television screen, and minister to their heart, God. Thank you that our minds are receptive, our hearts are open. And God, we know that your word does not return void. We receive it with thanksgiving today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, everybody say amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. This is the second installment of our Upper Room series. Last week was our Mother's Day. Hope you celebrated your mother. If you didn't, you still have time. You have all this year into next year, but I would encourage you to give her a call right now. Just pause this right now and go and call your mom and wish her a happy Mother's Day. They did a great job. My wife and the team did a fantastic job last week. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about this message today because this whole series, Upper Room, is about us getting alone, creating some space in our life where we can connect with God. And, you know, the disciples were relegated to an upper room and then the Holy Spirit fell. So really we're kind of talking about two different things in regards to this upper room context. First is our prayer life and then secondly we want to talk about our relationship to the Holy Spirit. Now I will tell you that like this is my jam. Like this is, I love talking about the Holy Spirit. I I enjoy talking about him. He he is a person. We're going to talk about that today. But specifically, what I want to do today is I want to talk about how to live an upper room life. You know, this whole quarantine, Corona, COVID-19, you know, we're in phase one in North Carolina. If you're in another state, I don't know where you are, but we are getting close to the time as a church where we'll be able to meet together. in Church Freedom House, I just want to let you know that we're in preparations for you. We're talking about it. Um, we even have a couple dates on the calendar. I really don't want to tell about those dates because I don't want you to hold me to them, but I can't wait. To see your face in person. I've seen all of you on Instagram, or most of you on Instagram, or on Facebook, or whatever social media, but I wanna see your face in real life. But this whole thing, you know, has made me really think about the reality of making sure that I come out of this different than when I came in. And I've been thinking a lot about my relationship with God. I've been thinking a lot about my relationship with the Word of God. I've been thinking a lot about my relationship with my family, a lot about my relationship with my wife. And there's one thing that I don't want to happen after this crisis, and that is that I am not changed. And so that's kind of where I want to go today. I want to talk about how you can be changed by the power of God. You know, as Christians, we are to be different. There's something significant about our life. And here's what Peter said. I want you to look at this verse, and we'll start right here. He says in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, this is the Apostle Peter, and we're actually going to preach about him today. We're going to talk about him today. He says this. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now watch this next statement. As his divine power, everybody say power. Come on, say it out loud. Power. As his divine power has given to us all things. Notice That it is the same power. This word power is actually what I talked about. You can go back and watch the message. This is dunamis. This is dynamite. This is the miracle-working power of God. This is the, 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 the Holy Spirit in action in our lives flowing through us. And it says that this power has given us all things that pertain to two things, life and godliness. Matter of fact, if if you're not taking notes, do it right now. Get out your mobile device, write some things down, make sure you take some great notes, and make sure you send them to me. You've been sending great notes. But notice that this power is given to us all things that pertain to life, the practical, and godliness, the spiritual, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So first of all, he says he's going to give us power. The the Holy Spirit's going to come and live in us, and he's going to give us power for life. What is life? Life is God not asking me to be someone without giving me the power to do it. So he, he gives me an identity, and he says, look, I'm going to give you the power to live that out. Also, he talks about godliness. God will never ask me to do something without the power to actually do it. So, so life, be someone, and godliness, do live with obedience and, and deal with circumstances, deal with challenges, deal with temptation. Godliness, he gives us the power on both sides of the table. Why? Why does he do that? Why does God fill us with the Holy Spirit? Is because he wants us to stand out as believers. In other words, here's what he means. We are meant to be be different. We are meant to act different, and we're meant to live different. We've got we to stand out, guys. And We've got to be, as Christians, as, as believers, as followers of God, we need to be different. People need to look at our life and go, well, how can you deal with that? How can you handle a bankruptcy? How, how can you go through a job loss? Or How can you do that? Why? Because I'm meant to be different. I'm, I'm going I'm to live out my identity and purpose in a different way. Why? Because I know it. Because I'm so connected with God that I have this relationship with God that I'm able to walk it out. i am also I got to act different. So when circumstances come in my life, I'm not going to treat them the same way as somebody who doesn't have God, who doesn't have the power of God in their life. So I'm going to act different. And then finally, I'm going to live differently. I'm going to deal with life in a different manner, I'm going to process it differently. I'm not going to look at it from one perspective. I'm also going to get the framework of the Holy Spirit involved in it. Now, how do we do this? How do we live this? Because as believers, we're supposed to live a supernatural life. We're supposed to have the super on our natural now I want to give you a little homework, okay? I'm going to give you some homework. I'm going to talk a little bit about this, but I want to give you some homework. This week, I'm going to give you three chapters of the Bible to read. Now if you read them real quick, I want you to keep reading them over and over. It's Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two, and Acts chapter three. I want you to read Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two and Acts chapter three. Why? Because this promise of a supernatural life is exposed in these three chapters. Now, we're going to park in Acts chapter 3, but I want you to notice something very, very important, that the Holy Spirit is, an essential, is essential in the life of a believer. He is essential. He, he's essential. Now, here's the first three chapters, and I want you to see this. This is Acts chapter 1, the promise is promised. The, the, the disciples gather into the upper room. Okay, They gather in the upper room. And, and God says, listen, I want you to, Jesus says, I want you to stay there until you have this power to be able to deal with the next phase or to birth the church. And so the promise is promised in Acts chapter 1. Remember, I want you to read it. And so he says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has pr- come upon you. So the promise is given. Acts chapter 2 is the promise is poured out. He says, and they were filled, the Bible says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus tells us in Acts chapter 1, here's what you're going to get. The promise is promised. Acts chapter 2, it happens. Now, here's the thing about it. 500 of them went into the upper room, but only 120 stayed. So here's what, what that means. For some of us, we're not willing to pay the price in order to get that pouring out. And so make sure That whatever you're dealing with right now, don't let it pull you away from that space where God can fill you with the presence and the power of God. Why? Because you're meant to act differently, you're meant to be different, and you're meant to live different. Live a supernatural life. And then here's where I want to park for the rest of this service is Acts chapter three, the promise possessed. Acts chapter three. And it begins in verse one. Look with me. Beginning in verse one, this is a story about Peter and John. Okay, now remember... The promise was promised, Acts chapter 1. They were given the promise of the Holy Spirit or the power of God, that supernatural life, so that they could be different, act different, live different. And now watch how it is processed. In other words, they start living this upper room life. Now, I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Peter and John, verse 1, went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple... There was a man, lame from birth, was being carried, and each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Okay, let me just take a time out real quick, because I want you to notice something. Each day he was put there. So that means that in the three and a half years that Jesus was alive, he saw this guy. Why didn't he heal him? I believe Jesus often will set us up so that we can operate in the supernatural. He will set us up so we can experience a miracle, so we can know that God can use us. And that's exactly what I believe happened. Now, we, we'll find out when we get to heaven. We can see the, the whole deal in HD and watch and talk to Peter and John and talk to Jesus all together. We can have a little you know cookout or whatever and have them over and ask them the story. But I believe that Jesus set them up. He didn't heal this man because he knew one day after he had ascended at the, to the right hand of God that Peter and John would be walking by And they would see this man, and they would act differently. They would be different. They would live different. let's keep reading. Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. He said, hey, give me some money, because he was poor. And that's that's basically what uh, people that were paralyzed would do. They were lame. They, They would just beg. That was their job. They couldn't do anything else. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I want you to notice what he said, I don't have any silver and gold for you. Now, it didn't mean that Peter didn't have any money. Actually, Peter was probably a pretty wealthy guy. He was a very successful fisherman. But he knew that the guy did not need money. He needed something better than money. He says, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand, and he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. Here's what I know about you. I know that you know somebody that is sitting lame out just outside of God's presence. I'm not talking about physically lame. I'm talking about they're broken. They, 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 they've been through hard times. Maybe you're that one. Maybe you're the one that has been sitting just outside the presence of God. And maybe today is the day where the power of God comes on you so that you can stand up, you can walk right into the very presence of God, right, right into church, so that your life will be changed forever. And that's exactly what Peter did. Peter operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it is essential to the life of a believer. The Holy Spirit is essential. See, he said to the man who was lame, he says, I possess something. There is something on the inside of me that I want to give to you. I possess this promise that I want to release to you. And as a result of this being released into you, your whole life is going to be radically and completely changed. And for him, guess what? His ankle bones, his knee bones, his quads, his calves, all produced right there on the spot immediately. He had walked his whole, whole life and immediately because of the power of God. Not because of Peter but because of the power of God operating through Peter. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, you know Peter was jacked up, man. I mean, he, he, the first time he met with Jesus, he said, I'm unworthy. He cussed. Come on, I mean, he cussed all the time. He denied Jesus three times. He fell asleep when Jesus asked him. But now, look at how different Peter is. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is essential for every believer. We need the Holy Spirit in order to live this different life. We need the Holy Spirit to, to operate through us to see change around us. We need the Holy Spirit to operate through us in order to see change around us. Change where? Change everywhere. Let me tell you, when you, when you receive the power of God in your life, change happens You just expect change, change in your family, change in your job, change in your walk, change in your relationship with God. Everything changes. That's exactly what happened to Peter. So how do I live this upper room? How do I possess this? How do I live with this? Well, there's some things we got to understand about the Holy Spirit. First of all, he is the agent of action. He's the agent of action. What do I mean by that? Well, in the Bible, when you're studying, there's one thing that's really important. If you ever have kind of a, uh, uh, you want to know something about a topic, a a person, a situation, um, the best thing, the best way to learn why it's there and what it means is to do what's called the law of first mention. The first mention of anything, you can determine what what it's supposed to be how it's supposed to act, what it's supposed to do. Well, if you remember, the first mention of the Holy Spirit is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Second verse in the Bible. Listen to what it says. It says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so first, this is the first time it's ever mentioned. So we can learn how the Holy Spirit acts, what he does by the first mention of the Holy Spirit. And what does he do? And the the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, was hovering over the face of the waters. Why? Because he was waiting for the Father to say what needed to be done. So the Holy Spirit could enact what the Father says. And this is how the Holy Spirit does now. He's our helper. He helps us connect with the Father. He's our counselor. He's our paracletos, the one that comes alongside of us to help us. He's the doer of the Trinity. He is the doer. He's the actor of the Trinity. And what does he do? He takes what is formless, has no shape, has no direction, and he gives it direction. He takes what's empty and he fills it. And he takes what has no vision, darkness, no light, and he gives it light. My wife is uh, probably one of the best interior designers that I know. I mean, I don't know a whole lot of them, but she is definitely the best. And so I was thinking about this because if you look at this, it's as if, it's as if the earth was out without form, it needed a renovation. And the, the father said, hey, Holy Spirit, can you help me renovate this? You know, when we purchased our, when we renovated the South End campus, it was a warehouse that housed furniture. And I watched my wife interact with the space uh, like I've never seen her before. We walked in this, it's a huge, just open uh, warehouse. There was furniture everywhere. There were very few walls. There was no air conditioning. And I watched her as she walked into the door and she, I could see her mind just going crazy with what would happen. And I asked her about this this week when I was preparing for this message. I said, what happens when you walk into a space that needs to be renovated? And she told me the first thing that she does is that she completely mentally clears it all out. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. When he comes into our life to renovate us, first and foremost, he will clean us out. He removes all the baggage, all the excess things that we don't need. The things that we think we need, but he removes it all out. The second thing that she does is she thinks about function. So before she puts up walls and, and, and flow, she thinks about function. What can this space do? What can this space represent? And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does when he comes into our life. You know, Peter, when you look at that story, Peter was jacked up. The Holy Spirit came in, cleaned it all out. He preached the first message, Acts chapter 2, and then in Acts chapter 3, he sees this miracle. He starts to function in his identity and his purpose. See, the goal of the Holy Spirit when he comes to live inside of us, first and foremost, law first mentioned, is he wants us to begin to act in a different way, be different, live different. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is essential in every believer. He is the agent of action. Number two, if you want to write this down, is, he, he, is a, he is a person to be known. He's a person to be known. Listen to how Jesus describes him in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17 in the message paraphrase. Now, I like to read the New King James, which is a word-for-word translation. The message is a little different. It's more of a phrase phraseology uh, maybe translation they take phrases or concepts or ideas and they try to tra- they, they translated it for us so this is more of an idea translation than it is a word for word but I love how it's it's said and how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit listen to what he says in verse 16 he says I will talk to the father and he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you what an what a awesome promise Man, Jesus tells us right there that we're always gonna have this friend. This friend is the spirit of truth. The the godless world, they can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him. Doesn't know what to look for, but you know him already because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. Let me say it another way. The Holy Spirit is not a product to be consumed he is a person to be known. The Holy Spirit is not a shout. I, I know, I know some of us like to shout. Woo, I, I love to shout. The Holy Spirit is not a dance. The Holy Spirit is not a tingle, a goosebump. The Holy Spirit is not tongues. The Holy Spirit is not the gifts, it's not the fruit. The Holy Spirit is not a product. To be consumed. No, the Holy Spirit is a person to know. How do you get to know somebody? How do you build a relationship? Okay, I think there's two ways. You may want to write these down. Number one, you have to invite that person into your life. you got to invite the relationship. You you don't just, sometimes you stumble, but then to go to the next level, you actually have to invite them into that. Can I tell you something about the Holy Spirit? He's only going to come where you invite him. you got to invite him into those areas of your life that maybe you've been holding off. Maybe the doors are locked in those areas. Maybe the area of your past, the area of your emotions, the area of your spiritual life. Maybe your past Christian life. Maybe your past church life. You haven't quite asked him to come. How about today you invite him? You know the second thing you do, first thing you got to invite... The second thing, you have to invest in the relationship. It's not just a one-sided thing. It has to be both-sided. So when we come into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, He wants to be our friend. He wants us to connect with Him and relate with Him. Invite Him into our thinking. Invite Him into our decision. And then invest time in Him. Invest prayer time in Him. Invest relationship time. Sometimes just sitting and just waiting for his voice, sitting and saying, hey, God, hey, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to me? Would you come and talk to me about my future? He says he'll give you the future. He'll tell you what's happening next. So he's the agent of action. He's a person to be known. And then if you want to write this down, it's, it's his, his ability, not mine. Now, I have three kids, you know, Colby, Cavill, and Cassidy. I get their names mixed up all the time, 22, 20 and 19, soon to be 23, 21, and 19, and my youngest, Cassidy, when she was probably like two, three, four, five, she would talk out of the side of her mouth like that. She would talk talk like that. So she would say, shh, And so she would, we didn't know if we were going to have to maybe help her with some, some speech therapy or something like that. And so she would, a lot of times when we would have a cake, okay, for her birthday, she would try to blow the candles out, and she'd go, and she'd try to do it out of the side of her mouth. It was, it was kind of funny, uh, um, but she couldn't blow the candles out. And so what I would do, unbeknownst to her, is I would come along behind her as she was getting ready to blow the candles out and she was so excited about the cake, so excited about her birthday. She loves celebrating her birthday and she's so sweet when it comes to her birthday because she gets all these gifts and she just wants to give them all away. But here she's standing in front of that cake and she's trying to blow it out and she couldn't. But what I would do is I would stand right behind her and as she would blow, I would blow behind her. What she didn't know is she thought she was blowing the candles out when in reality I was blowing them out for her. And this is exactly how the Holy Spirit operates in our life. The areas of our life that we are weak in, He comes and strengthens them. This is so good because this is so important in regards to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's because we think we cannot be used. When in reality, check this out, it's in our weaknesses that He is actually the strongest. Matter of fact, Isaiah 40 says, He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Can I just tell you some people who had some problems that were still used by God? Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Mo- Moses had a stutter, just a stutter. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a playboy. He was a big flirt. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah was too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah, he was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Not good to do that. Jonah ran from God. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Jesus three different times. The disciples fell asleep while they were supposed to be praying. The Samaritan woman was divorced Mary Magdalene had seven demons. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul murdered Christians. Timothy probably had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. Come on, if he can use a dead guy, he can use you. He can use me. I like the way Paul talked about it in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says, each time Jesus said to him. Paul, every time that he would declare his weakness, remember, it's his ability, not mine. It's his ability, not mine. Each time he said, no, but I am with you. That is all you need. Let's keep reading. My power shows up best in weak people. Now, I am glad. This is Paul talking. He says, he says now that Jesus told me that, that I can declare my weakness, then God's power comes. So I want you to, I want you to catch what Paul is saying. He's basically saying when we boast about our weaknesses, when we talk about what we can't do, our failures, our fears, when we release them to God is when God's power grows, when his strength comes, when he comes and he goes, Peter was messed up, and here he was standing outside of church, and he picks this man up who's lame, not because of anything Peter did, <laughs> he did all the wrong stuff but because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is essential in every believer's life. So Paul says, now I am glad to boast about how weak I am. I am glad to be living a demonstration of Christ's power instead of showing off my own power and abilities. And this leads me to the last thought that I want to leave you with today, that he is always motivated by love. The Holy Spirit always is motivated by love. In other words, everything that you see the Holy Spirit do will always have love as the foundation. Let me read one more verse to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is again Paul talking and he's, he's basically describing the gifts in operation in a church through people's lives. They're all focused on the gifts. They're all focused on the demonstration of it. When in reality, the Holy Spirit is trying to teach the church and teach us that whatever we do in God, in the name of Jesus, should have its first motivation in love. And the Holy Spirit operating through us is always going to be motivated by love. Here's what Paul said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith and so I could remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. He is always, he'll never manipulate you. The Holy Spirit will never manipulate you. Try to coerce you to do something. It's always rooted in love. Why? Because love never gives up. Love cares for others more than self. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love it doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. <laughs> See, sometimes the power of the Holy Spirit means you're letting other people go before you. It's called humility. That's power, man. See, love doesn't fly off the handle. See, when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit and something happens around you, because you are different, because you act different, because you live different, it's not going to anger you. You're going to be able to have some self-control, some peace. See, love doesn't keep score. It puts up with anything. It, It... Trust God always, looks for the best, never looks back, and it keeps going to the end. See, the Holy Spirit comes in our life, and He is essential for us as a believer because He wants us to be different, He wants us to act different, and He wants us to live different. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity just to hang out with you today, to invite you. <laughs> and invest in our relationship with you. Every eye closed. Can you just just take a second, please, for me? I'm almost done. Just take a second. Would you just close your eyes right where you are? And I just have a question for you. Are you right with God? Maybe there needs to be some renovation done. Maybe there's some things in your life that you need, that aren't pleasing to God, and you know, they need to be removed. Maybe some sin that you need to let go of Listen, the power of God is right there with you. I feel him right now, right there with you. Right now, today, right now, he's there. The Holy Spirit is in that room. You know what he's doing? He's hovering because he senses there's some formless, void vision that needs to be restored, that needs to be fixed, that needs to be released. You has such a great purpose. Just keep your eyes closed. If that's you, just, could you just put your hand on your heart? Just put your hand on your heart. And we're just going to invite Jesus to come and live on the inside of us. Just say this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, come on, say it. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Today I give my life to you. I invite you to come and lead me into the purpose you've created me to be. Now, just keep your eyes closed right where you are. Maybe you've never invited the Holy Spirit to come and empower you. Maybe you've never invested in time. How about we take an upper room moment and let the promise that was promised, the promise that was poured out come, and let that promise possess you and take over so that you can be different, act different, and live different. Would you invite him right now? Why don't we do that right now, eyes closed, closed, And I don't know if you can, maybe just lift your hands just as a form of surrender and just say, Holy Spirit, come. That's it. Just just welcome him. I invite you. I invite you into my life. I invite you into my family. Come on, right where you are. I invite you into my heart. I need you. In the areas that I'm weak, I invite you, Holy Spirit, I invite you. Just let him come. How about you just take a little time today, just about 10-15 minutes, since you invited him, I feel his presence so strong right now, and just invest in that relationship. Get to know the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and let him change you forever. God bless you guys.